สบายดี and hello beautiful people welcome back to this week's practice tip where I ask each of my guests to share a personal self care tool that sustains their livelihood so last week's episode I featured my little big sis Wanda who is somebody I consider a huge femtor and guide in my healing journey and I hope you enjoyed all the gems in that one episode. And when I was thinking about this week's practice tip, I thought about the countless conversations I have had with Wanda over the six years we've known each other. And over this time, we've uncovered so many great insights that have challenged us to grow in our relationship to and with each other. Some of which that have awakened me to confront my own beliefs about what it means to lean on a friend for support and where to draw the line. So I wanted to provide an extended conversation I had with Wanda as this week's practice tip for y'all to witness and gain insight about how much internal work it takes to truly come out of a relationship stronger than when you started. And of course, I want y'all to also get how to refer a friend to other mental health resources when it becomes too overwhelming. And I hope that makes sense. And if it doesn't, I think listening to Wanda and I in the next hour can give you a better sense of what I mean and how to truly show up for yourself and your friend during uncertain moments. And so I don't want to give any other spoiler alerts. So let's drive right into this convo. Hi everybody! This is your girl Rita Ree, welcoming you into this practice space. So we're doing this practice tip a little different this week. We are going to actually have a conversation with Wanda and I. And as you recalled in episode four, you know we had a lot of different great um, talking points between me and Wanda, and I wanted to. Um, extract the piece where we talk about getting worried about a friend. So, in a lot of times in friendships, friends can be seen as great support systems for you, right? They're who you need to call whenever you have a breakup or you fail a test or maybe to celebrate your accomplishments. And so I think the the point of having this particular conversation with Wanda today is to really understand what our boundaries are as it relates to asking your friend um, to be mindful of where your needs are in, in in regards to helping them. Right? What is your capacity to help them during a time of crisis or a time of being in stress mode? And so, I want to invite Wanda to the table. Hi, Wanda. Hi, Rita. <laughs> and I feel like this is such a, uh, a, a important conversation that we're about to have um, about what does it mean. To truly honor your needs and to appropriately know when to refer your friend to seek professional help as it relates to their mental emotional needs, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, <clears throat> like you mentioned, Rita, that in in our friendships we have a very 
sacred circle, right? Mm-hmm. And we have groups of friends that we have built over long period of times. We hold each other's secrets. We have so many things such as rituals we do to e- with each other that makes our relationship quite different and unique for every group of your friendships. And so sometimes when we have hard times, we go to this special group or we go to a special person within the group that you really do trust, right? And when you talk about these sense of boundary, I think maybe you're reflecting on our personal relationship, right? Where there was a time where I was seven months pregnant. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well... Yes, Wanda, I, I, I do want us to, um, yeah, extract that moment. So if you can paint us a picture mm-hmm. of maybe specifically how I impacted you mm-hmm. while you're seven months pregnant, and um, we can dive a little deeper into that as an example of how you were able to know when was the t- right time to address your needs and refer me out to somebody um, for professional help. Right. Because I think <clears throat> maybe as a as um, a mentor of yours, right? Because that's how our relationship started with um, UCLA Academic Advisor, kind of introducing us and, and how I came on as a mentor. And I feel like I really took on that role and also um, a friendship built naturally through our um, common background and how we connected with each other. And so as a, as a woman who wasn't married, um, you know, still living with her parents, I had a lot of time to be able to dedicate to listen and support you. I had a different capacity. And for listeners, this was in the beginning of our relationship, which right. started in 2013. Right, and we were both still in grad school. And so I think... Reflecting back, I I had a lot of privileges as a person at that time in my life. But as I got married, I was pregnant. Um, My dad was sick. Um, You know, I was struggling financially in terms of like being pregnant and still not sure about how I'm going to go about my professional career. Should I still stay at this agency or move on? There were so many things that. I was struggling with. And at that time, I think you two were struggling and we were kind of each other's support. And a lot of times friendships are kind of like that. We are a strong support for each other in hard times. And at that time, because I was pregnant, I had to be really mindful of how much stress I was putting on my body and how that was affecting my child that was developing in my belly. And, you know, I think I was always used to, I like helping others. I think I recognize that I love being able to support someone. And being pregnant was something that was an experience where I really had to learn and learn to prioritize my needs not only for me, but for my child, for my baby that was developing in me. And that was something that was something new for me, actually, Rita, that I had to learn to set these boundaries because it's not only me, it's my baby. And treating me well 
was a part of treating my child well in me. And I remember there was a time where I was feeling like overwhelmed with my own personal struggle and you were calling and I remember saying, I think, I think I really, I think you would benefit from professional help. I think you, you need someone to listen to you and all your needs. And there is something that is calling to you that you need to explore. Um, and mind you, yeah. I am recently broken up with, and this was like summer 16, yeah. and it was uh, a very traumatic time for me. And I think what had happened in that case was that I always relied on Wanda for emotional support, and she was just a very safe space, a nurturing space. And so um, it was just very organic for me to be like, oh, yeah, like Wanda's always going to be there, right? Without really understanding Wanda's needs, because as Wanda shared earlier, she's very helpful, very giving, right? And there are very little times when you said no. Like, I don't yeah. really remember you saying like, no, I can't do this for you. You're always yeah. so welcoming me into either your home, your family's home. And, you know, I would come over a lot of times because my family's all the way in North Carolina. So I, they're not really accessible for me. And yeah. so, um, you know, going through my breakup, you know, I kind of disregard anybody's needs or especially yours, Wanda. Yeah. And I was like calling Wanda almost every day um, was just like, I don't remember, but I, I do just remember that one time when you did set your boundaries, like, like really straight with me, you're like, Rita, like I am worried about you. Yeah. And I cannot be that person that yeah. I was for you then. Do you realize that I am seven months pregnant? Yeah. And for me, it was like a hard reality that was like, what? <laughs> like, I think it was like, like, like for, like, what, I have two, three years that we know each other? I was like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. but what for you, Wanda, what did you notice were the kind of like a lot of the signs that I would be displaying to you that signaled like, I need professional help? Mm. I think definitely your sense of dependence, like, uh, you really needed someone to talk to, like every... There was a lot of big and little moments, and I really felt that you needed a lot of support and then a lot of moments to just vent and process, you know? And there were times where you were like, Wanda, I want to do a road trip, um, and I want to <laughs> drive across. I was like, with who? How are you, are you taking your own car? another time where- I forgot about that that is so true I remember I was like oh yeah you know I'm gonna go to Canada and with a couple of my friends I'll pick them up and then you're like you're using your car and I was like yeah like not thinking like there's gonna be snow there there's like mountains you have to like climb up I mean I was just so impulsive and <laughs> trying to escape something and there was another time where you called me and you were like, Wanda, I refinanced my loan. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you what? <laughs> How many calls did you 
you have with this person. Well, like, did you look into this before you... And so, you know, sometimes, you know, I think for me at that point, I was like recognizing that there were some like behaviors such as being impulsive. And I was just like really worried for you. And I feel like um, sometimes some of those like behavior that you have, you were, that was the way you were coping and you were trying to find your way out in the ways that made sense for you in that moment. And, um, I think in a way I felt like you, you were ready to hear it too. I think when I said like, you know, you really need professional help. I think there was this level of trust and a level of respect and love in our relationship where I can just say it to you without having to to feel afraid how you would take that. Mm. You know, in our in our relationship, I feel really like um, respected in that you you wouldn't take it like you think I'm crazy. You think you know? Oh, I, I see. You know what? I do remember that that because you were such a respect respectable figure in my life because you helped me so much you know the prior the years that before you were pregnant that anything that you said spoke volumes to me Mm. and so for me I was like okay she's recommending me to go to therapy I guess I should go (laughs) and and a part of me was also fighting that stigma of like Mm. of um of why would I go and I have like all these people that can just listen to me also a part of my ego was a huge uh, I think a barrier to me seeking support because I was like I've done my master's of social work I know what they're gonna say to me in therapy so I think also like fighting or or um, being able to let go of that mindset was really liberating and helped me um you know, um, continue on with my own journey of healing and trusting that that this is a good step for me. Yeah. But did you know, like, what what had taken place during that time for me to have easily given to? I think your suggestion. Well, I think I've I I reached the end of my road at least, right? Like to be able to tell you that, like, hey to give you that check-in with you that I, I'm, I'm, I'm at my max capacity at this point. And I think something to acknowledge was I was barely getting used to being a wife. And so before, you know, I was someone's girlfriend and, and my, my, um, husband and I, before we got married, we had this long-term relationship, um, where it was, distance for a good two three years so I feel like I had a lot of free time in my own personal um, relationship where I didn't always have to go home to someone I had a lot of free time and I think you were used to that I was used to that and I was not used to having a husband you know someone who I was living with also listening and supporting him and then having um you know, one of my best friends also needing that support. And then, you know, you're not my only friend, right? I have other friends that are calling me and I felt like it was its own timing in a way that, and my different shifting, my role that was shifting, that I really had to speak out. 
and set limits because I'm not used to setting limits. I'm used to putting others before me. I was groomed to do that. And as I, you know, took on this role as a mother now and, um, and, and being, you know, having my own family, I think those were natural things that were forcing me to recognize my boundaries. Yeah. And I think during that time, it, to me, symbolized like a priority shift. Like it was an entire 180 where the energy that you needed to focus on was physically present. Yeah. And whether it's in your body with your child or your husband. And I think for me, the way that I internally processed that, there was a lot of deep sadness. There was like a lot of my own pain of like, wow, like what does this mean Um, for me to um, see Wanda in a different light? Not necessarily to do away with you completely, of course, but for me, it was like, like where do I find that support system in a moment of crises? Um, and I think there was a lot of trust that I had to instill in myself of like, maybe this is, this is growth, yeah. right? And growth doesn't necessarily, it's not always like cherries and rainbows on top. It really can be a painful process where you have to understand what is your attachment to the identity of like Wanda, for example, being my mentor, big sis. It's like now your primary role is being a wife, is being a mother, right? And so I think it does take a lot of insight and reflection, though. I think on the end of the person receiving the support for me, for example, to really truly understand that this boundary is really a loving boundary. It's not in spite of like your 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 burden or you you weigh in too much in my life. Like it really was like I felt like a loving nudge of like you can do it. Yeah. And I think there was a portion too. I wanted to uh, emphasize that the mindset that I had then also promoted a lot of victimhood. Mm. Like. This happened to me, and now I'm miserable, as if I didn't have any agency in the way that I navigated, you know, the breakup, but also it reminded me of all of my insecurities of, you know, my lack of worth, Um, am I lovable, am I dateable, Um, even though I'm constantly reminded by the people that love me, the most my friends, chosen family, it's still, for me... Um, I think there's a point when I think we just had to acknowledge that maybe some part of our relationship was also codependent. It was like coddling and you thriving off of supporting people. But then I thrived off of getting your support. And I don't think anyone or there wasn't somebody from the outside because we're both in it. Right. That truly acknowledged that particular Peace. So I wanted to name that because sometimes I feel that in a lot of the relationships that become toxic eventually, that are draining, don't have those necessary loving boundaries to set because no one's really uh, 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 taking the time to process and figure out like where are we both contributing to your victimization during that time of of crises, right? Yeah. I think even at that time, I was also seeking my own therapy when I was pregnant. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember that. And um, I think I had to learn, 
like a lot. There was so much changes for me. And I think reflecting back, like you said, it's you you're trying to adjust and feeling maybe kind of sadness and grieving like, oh, am I going to lose this friend? How is this going to look like for me? And I think what you experience is quite normal in in relationships in our lives as our role changes, you know? Um, and I think what you bring to this conversation is how do we continue to support each other as our roles shift in our life, right? And it sounds like we, we were able to do that um, in a way that we had this trusting relationship. And I think at the point where we, where I did set that boundary, you two were ready for, for, I think I needed to hear that hard truth, but I don't think you ever shared it with me. The truth of you saying like, I have needs, but I had never seen you of having needs though. That's true. Because you always were the helper. Right. So right. I think it was like twofold yeah. in that sense yeah. of like, like, you know, you introducing yourself, you're the big sis, you should have all the answers, right? Yeah. And then, so I think I naturally gravitated to you to have all the answers. And then when you told me, like, I don't have the answers for your problems, kind of like, not like yeah, that, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but something along those lines. <laughs> Deal with it. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> no, but I, you're right. Like, I think there came a time when I just needed to hear that. And then I was like, what you mean? I'm not a victim, you know? And, and there's so much that comes with that aftermath of realizing that, like, I really had to go back in and, and uncover my power too, and my truth. Um, and to, to stop coddling my own self. Um, but sometimes it takes that hard conversation, mm-hmm. Wanda, mm-hmm. to have to, with me in that very beginning. And I think it, I had to face some hard realities too, because I think we always want to be there for people we care about. And sometimes we feel disappointed in ourselves when we can't rise to the occasion um, to help support someone we, we, we love dearly. And to have to be kind to ourselves first, it's something that it is hard to, it's easy to say, hard to practice. And I think the shifting of my role um, and recognizing I needed to care for myself because I was really at my max capacity was something that pushed me also to be allowed to to have that conversation with you. But I think you were someone who who had a sense of openness that I I've, I sensed that you are. I think maybe because you you're someone who's always asking to, and I feel like it gave me permission to be able to to say it to you. And, and, and give you that suggestion. Hey, I think I'm worried about you. And I think this would help you try it out, you know? And sometimes we, when we're in a relationship and we do too much helping, we're taking their power to be able to help themselves. Right. And I think I had to do a hard reflection of how am I really helping Rita? Yeah. How are you helping, but also how are you enabling her behavior as well? Right, right. And that was tough. I'm sure. Imagine it being tough, right? So now I'm wondering, 
we talk about this example, I think we pretty much like dissect it to the core, but in terms of getting folks um, to build their own boundaries, and I would hope to not have reached that max capacity, but just know the signs, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To acknowledge and be observant of what shows up in their friend. Yeah. When do you feel is an appropriate time? Not maybe time, but um, when you notice what types of signs that come through the relationship that that um, can be worthy of bringing up earlier on? I think for me... <clears throat> I'm not sure if, um, like, sometimes when I think about this topic, I think about how do we check in with ourselves to be able to be available to someone else, you know? Because do you know your own signs? You know, before you know your friend's signs to, to you know? <laughs> Do you know yourself? Because I think I had this philosophy, um, I think, um, through learning about Brene Brown's work and how to navigate um, my own vulnerabilities, how to seek support and feel safe and um, when I'm being vulnerable with others. Because when I cannot help someone, it makes me feel very vulnerable, you know? And so I think I had to learn to check in with myself and also be okay with offering the help that I have to offer, you know? And I think I had, I had to learn to be okay with my friend's disappointment in that mm. I wish I, you could do more. You know, I've done all of this for you. Why can't you do this? You know, and so I had to learn how to be kind to myself in um, how do I self-soothe myself when my friends don't know like their the limit they have crossed, you know, and I, I still have to respect my own boundary and be okay with the fact that I can only offer this, but they want more, so I need to be clear in what I can offer. I think that's a big conversation you need to have internally supporting anyone in your life, including your own life partner, your husband, your family. What can you offer? What would you be willing and feel joyful in offering? Yeah, I think um, what is a big distinction between and being able to offer your help and feeling joyous is being able to also understand when you are offering yourself and you feel there may be resentment. Yeah. For for you know being taken feeling that you've been taken advantage of, right. right? And what is what does that look like? I think that I think that's why I needed to um, build that that self-soothing skill of being okay with what I had to offer and knowing my limitations and being kind to myself. Because I, I was used to, you know, being ashamed, especially with, with um, my relationship with my parents. You know, how come you don't give us money every month? Yes. How, how, how come you don't come to the house um, 
this often, do this, la la la, you know? So I deal with that, you know? And, and I used to feel really guilty when I couldn't do things for my family. And I think through, you know, learning about Brene Brown's work, um, listening to her TED Talk, I think it really liberated me to be able to give myself permission to not owe anyone an explanation, not owe anyone any sense of like, oh, because I have to do this and this is more, you know, I have to do... Oh, because to justify to why. justify. And it's like, it is what it is. It's like, yeah. I can't, and you have to also have a generous assumption yeah. that they do have your best interests. Yeah. Like, I think at that time, we had such a trusting relationship. Yeah. I reflected back, and I think why I didn't get so um, caught up in, like, you know, fast to, like, oh, shame me of, like, why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? Because I think there's a lot of internal work I had to have done in order to recognize that Wanda, if she had capacity, she would support me. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I never had a bad assumption of, like, like she just wants the to wish like you know the worst for me or she doesn't want me to get well like I never had that because I think we built like such a trusting foundation that I was like oh like maybe I should actually you know reverse the care and actually support Wanda maybe like the care needs like Wanda needs to attend to her baby and very 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 hard transition for me and I think that isn't being intentional with your friendships too Mm. sometimes friends don't 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 have the ability to recognize that they're shaming you and they're making you feel um, hurt. What does that look like? I think in friendship, we always want to have benefit of doubt for other. So if you are shaming someone or like, you know, like you said, um, you're taking advantage of me. You, You don't really like me. You know, if you make those accusation of a friend, I would really question your friendship, how you really feel about that friendship and do a little bit internal work in terms of why do you feel that way? And I think... Like, if, what did I do in order to make you feel that way? Right. Or, or is it your own thing? Your own thing. Yeah. What? Why, why am I feeling that way towards my friend? Um, because, I, you know, in my own friendship... I have had that struggle where I always felt guilty of not being able to do something for my friend. And I had <clears throat> have an, another friend who uh, I talked to, I conf- confide to, and I was like, you know, I feel so heavy in my heart, and I, I don't know why I cannot offer more. And I feel like she always thinks that I'm taking advantage of her. It hurts me so much. Because I would never do anything like that. Mm. I know it in my character. I would never do anything like that to her. And she said, I believe you. I don't ever look at you that way. And you're and and who you are. You don't do that. I know that. And she was a friend who wasn't like a longtime friend of mine. But to hear that, she had that confidence and that belief in me, the benefit of the doubt in me was so empowering. And I realized, you know what? Um, I have to fight for those type of relationships to be in my life. The friends that will give me the benefit of doubt. And if they don't, and they can't do that internal work to, to recognize they have to, we have to give each other benefit of doubt when we're not able to be there for each other, then they may not belong in that sacred inner circle 
because they're hurting you more than helping you. And I think um, I had to learn that. Um, and I remember having a very tough conversation with one of my best friends and confronting her that I was like, sometimes I can only offer what I can. And if you're not okay with this, I'm sorry. I cannot do more beyond this, you know. Mm-hmm. But I did check in with her. What is something that you would want? What is something that can help make this friendship stronger? And she was like, well, a call once a month. I was like, I could do that. I could do <laughs> yeah. that. You know, yeah. and so clarifying how do we support each other in ways that um, doesn't make us feel resentful um, in ways that help us feel joyful is so important as well. So doing a check-in with our best friends and, and reevaluating that. Because when we were in high school, that may look different. Uh, when we were in college, our life experience at that mm-hmm. time may look different. When we were married, when we have kids, it all looked different, right? Yeah. And we can't mm-hmm. stay stagnant. We are changing as people. And so support and how we are there for others will shift. Yeah. With those roles. Yeah. I think um, that's an important observation to have. I think as we're shifting and developing into the different stages in our lives, you know, our identities evolve over time. Our experiences evolve over time. So sometimes we may think that, you know, for example, going back to whenever I was seeking support from Wanda to help with my breakup, I saw her as the person who was, you know, like she wasn't single, but she felt like it felt like she was living a single life. Like her partner's all the way up in the Bay and we were still in grad school. And, you know, it was, it was very flexible, but the hard reality was that's not the truth. The truth is, is that she's becoming a mother. She's becoming a wife. And I think when people are able to give people this space to grow into who they need to become, you know, for their new formed families or um, the new relationships that they develop, I think it actually forms a sense of more trust, like a more connection. Because I think after that, I had to grow my own way. I think we gave each other space and there was a time... When I finally found uh, another group of people to to help support me emotionally, right during a time that I, um, you know, everybody has needs like emotional needs, financial needs, uh, basic needs. So I feel like very blessed that that time happened, um, so that it pushed me yeah. to to build in other ways that I didn't think was possible, right? With my Lao community, for example, in LA, and I've been able to build such a, you know, strong connection. Um, but again, after it was after that incident I had with Wanda, where she built those boundaries that I also acknowledged that I can grow in other ways, right? I don't have to be tied to, to my friend, but also branch out and seek my own sense of power that is not attached to anybody at all. Right. Because I think what you um, are highlighting is that it's not healthy to be dependent on any one thing in terms of coping. And diversifying your coping um, strategies, your support, is really important. Um, Because sometimes it's like you're building an army of support, really. And so when one of your 
support systems down. You, you, you have others that can fill and, and, and so that other person can recover and come back and take that space or however that person wants to come back in your life. Right. And I think that's really important to create your own coping, to create your own toolkit, right. Of support. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as you're talking about, you know, friends supporting each other, when you are supporting a friend, I think it's important that they know they, that you are not their only support, you know, that maybe um, in your circle of friends, you have other people that you also trust. And so you could tag team, you know? <laughs> oh, I see where this is going. And, and I know in my own personal um, close um, circle of girlfriends, uh, we would always kind of like, hey, did you um did you tell this person what's going on? And you know, my other friend would be like, Yeah, I told her. It's almost like we have our network of support and each friend has their own perspective, you know? Yeah, and it doesn't it, it doesn't have to feel so lonely too, because yeah. I think sometimes when you're the only person to support that friend in crises, right. it can also feel very isolating and a lot of pressure to feel like you're the only person that can support this person when that's not true. Right. And right. I think we have to have or confront those hard realities and identify those people in our lives, right? And to help also paint that picture for our friend to let them see that, you know, actually, because sometimes when, for example, when I was going through it, I felt very alone. Like I thought I only had you and because we built that level of rapport with each other right. on that that level of depth and so I think when you brought in like you know seeking professional support seeking other people that can help me um, I think it's important to just help them understand that that a lot of people love them right right and to name those people if and it since it's, it may be hard for them to name at that time and that informal support is probably the strongest support because it's like you know, who, who like really goes to a professional right away when you have a problem? Like most likely you'll call a friend, you'll tell your boyfriend what's going on, right? That's actually what happens. And I remember when, you know, I experienced like um, being very suicidal, I had a, like a major breakup with one of my really close friend and my other close friend kind of, um, kind of, kind of rise to occasion where I, I felt like I wasn't able to really be alone. I was seeking my therapy, but I really felt like I, I don't trust myself to be alone. And she was like, come over and sleep over at my house, you know? And, um, she and her boyfriend really helped support, supported me. This is my friend, Jaredine Jaravonisical. Thank you very much for that time. <laughs> You gave it's very beautiful. And I felt like it, she was almost like the relationship we had. I was over her house a lot. I was always like around her because she was kind of my safety net, like someone who I've really felt safe with. And you know what's interesting is that my other close friend, I felt like um, she needed a timeout too. At the same time, I needed a timeout. Like the same time I was very down she was down too and we both needed our own space and time to heal you know and sometimes 
that's why it's so important to have like a group of supportive people, not only just being dependent on one, but having that diversified coping tools or a group of people to be in your supportive network. Yeah. I think it's very important, like as the first step, normalizing, what does it mean to just seek support in general? Um, But in the event that the resources are exhausted, right? Like where we reached out to family, chosen family, extended relatives, um, online, (laughs) like any of that, um, how would we kind of sum it up in like a few sentences of, when in need and our friend is showing signs of like you know either harming themselves or harming other people yeah um i feel like we touched upon this a little bit already but explicitly saying how do we refer a friend to seek professional help and how can we frame that in a way that's compassionate and kind mm-hmm. um for them to acknowledge that they also need help yeah, I think it's really important to recognize that they have, like, maybe they came to you. They're saying something to you. So I think recognizing that you are that safe space, that's really important. And being able to listen to what are they're saying is really key. Being able to reflect back what they're feeling is also key because sometimes when your friend's having a hard time they are talking to you because probably they feel like they're not being heard in other places right and so being able to do that for that person in that moment I think is very key and being able to see if they are ready or willing or asking or help or like kind of asking you when they give it they give you the opportunity to to give you them to give to them some answers when they're asking you like I don't know what to do Rita what do you think that's that's your that's your cue mm. that you can plug it in because they're asking you it's an entry point it's an entry point because sometimes friends just want to vent and they want someone to hear them out and validate them, right? And sometimes we don't need a referral because they're not asking for what you're thinking. Right. And so it's also good to check in with yourself right. of like, if you are very quick to refer them, right. like maybe you are, you're the one who's maxed out in capacity. Right. Right. Or you're assuming that they need help. Yeah. Because everyone has their own like journey of healing and maybe talking to you or um, talking to other friends is part of how they are dealing with it. And, but when they do give you the opportunity, they're asking you to share your perspective, how help can look like for them. Maybe there, there's an opportunity for that. Okay, so I'm the friend who's asking for support. And I tell you, Wanda, that I don't know what else to do to fix this problem that I'm in now? Like as somebody who's just a supportive friend, not a clinician or anybody that has experience providing psychotherapy, how could you frame it in a way that is simple enough? I think for me, naturally, I would share my own experience. And the purpose of that is? Like saying, you know what? 
in a time that I felt like I had no place to go, where I felt like I really have, I, I feel like really unheard by people I loved the most. Something that was helpful for me was therapy because it was just a neutral space that I can say what I was feeling and have someone else help reflect what was going on and is some of these things normal or am I just crazy? I think it helped me and I'm I'm really worried for you, you know? And I, I, I think since it helped me, maybe it can help you. But maybe let's take it back in terms of maybe you never had the experience of going to therapy. Mm. You know, I think it's okay to reference an example or just say it as a, you know, I think I've heard about this place, um, Student Counseling Service Center on campus. You know, they even have like a chat and a call line that you can access. You think, you think you'd be open to like trying it out? You know, so you can kind of talk about it as a resource and just ask it as a question. Yeah. If they would be open to it. Yeah. Because sometimes they don't know that this is a resource that is available to them. And I think you offering that doesn't hurt at all. It doesn't hurt at all. Yeah. I think what's important as well is uh, because I think it will take many conversations before this one probably happens, right? right. When you've finally exhausted all of your listening support. Right. So I think the time leading up to this question, right. it's important to acknowledge um, your own agency to um, do the research. Right. Like, you know, where are the different mental health clinics around your area? Um, do they provide culturally relevant services for the specific um, experience that your friend is going through um, before you bring it up because then I think it also gives you a little bit more credit to offer that type of support as opposed to saying like sometimes you, you you may not have had the time like the, your friend just called you and then boom right 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 but sometimes you can go like you know what I'll do it with you we'll find it out together um you know whenever you have time you know, and, and I think it's important, like, if someone is actually, like, your friend is having suicidal ideation or <clears throat> they're very, like, depressed, being able to feel not alone is so important. And so if you don't know it all, I, as the friend supporting that person, I want, you, you know, you, you to, to just know that it's okay to, to, to go and... and um, you know, go with that person if you have that capacity. But I think what's also important, and Brene Brown teaches us all, is that it's also okay to not know what to say. Because yeah. sometimes I think when we're caught off guard right. and those types of issues, such as suicide ideation, it could yeah. definitely um, put anyone in a flight or fright or freeze mode. So being able to tap into your own authentic self and yeah. say that, you know, I, I don't even know what to say, but... I want to be here to support you. Yeah. I think that in itself can can be enough. Um, and just to, to hold space, to, to be with that person as they are, you know, experiencing so much emotional distress. Um, but again, I think 
not to have that serve as a place to coddle, but also a place to to also acknowledge your own capacity. Like for me, you know, I'd be like, I don't know. Like, you know, you know, like saying it in a very compassionate way, like, I'm really not sure what to say right now, but I'm just so glad you shared that with me. Yeah. And and right now I may not be the best person to help support your needs. Right. Just to be honest with you where I'm at, like I, I'm not sure if I have the necessary tools or um, resources, but I, I want to help you get those. Yeah. Because I'm really worried. Because I'm just worried. And you're genuinely worried. Yeah. You're genuinely worried. Yeah. Right. And sometimes take like being there in that moment, being that supportive friend is scary, too. It's very scary. It's a lot of responsibility in your it's a, hands. Yeah, it's a lot of responsibility. So I think, um, you know, if if someone ever make a threat, like, you know, your friend actually makes a threat, or you feel like they're making a goodbye letter, that is something that I think it's it's okay to, like, um, take more action, um, such as contacting 911. If, if you, you, you're... You're, you're having a text like goodbye I'll never you know something like that yeah you, that is something that you shouldn't hold um, by yourself and supporting you know if it's something that you're presented with information that someone is wanting to harm themselves in that moment and you, you just got that information you should not go through alone and that person really needs help the fact that they sent that message is a warning sign is a sign that come and help me Right. Directly. Like, I want to be heard. Uh, I want to be seen. Yeah. And, you know, going back to Wanda's suggestion, of, that's why it's important to have a network of support that you know that you're not the only one supporting your friend and that there is, like, a whole army of people who care, who want to see this person do well. And so for you to also have your own, if you're the friend supporting that person, to have your own support system, Right. Right. Like this is a truly a, a village, a community, um, to to make sure that everybody is is well, because those times can actually create again, like um, you know, your own sense of trauma, vicarious trauma, secondary trauma of hearing their story. Right. So we want you to take care of yourself by acknowledging that you may also like need need your own uh, professional help like not because of them but because like there's so many other things that are probably happening in your life and you hear this from um your friend who needs support so um it's always good to have an extra hand um and 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 i think wanda to touch upon like why why professional help though like why not a friend for for any type of like mental distress or emotional trauma, what distinguishes professional help? I think that's something that I felt mm-hmm. like it was hard for me to decipher. Like, why can't you just help me? <laughs> you know? I think you know when you have like something you're going through, you you would benefit from having someone neutral. Like, cause sometimes some friends are like, oh, you're doing that again. And you're going to have some feelings that counter transfer or like this feeling that you're going to have towards your friend that they might not be able to reflect accurately what's going on. And I think through, um, professional help, they can also help educate you about 
how your thought process is operating, uh, your you know tendencies of your thoughts, um, some of your thoughts mm-hmm. that causes um, impairments in your life that is disrupting your ability to have like to go to work, to um, be able to maintain grades. There are some real things that you're you know up against. And you need, um, you know, someone to help you understand how your thought process is operating and give you, like, education of how, you know... And that's kind of what they're trained to do. Right. And it's like with your friend. Like, you and your friend could see the world in the same way just because, like, you will both, like, only have each other in your bubble. Right. right? So sometimes you need that. Like, yeah, I remember when I went to therapy, like... My therapist just tell me straight up. She was just like, you know, like Rita, mm-hmm. you need a filter. <laughs> and like for me, it's like sometimes when you have that friend that doesn't give you the, um, like uh, the honest feedback. That sometimes it may be scary because you don't want to share. Like, oh, actually, like you speak too much, or <laughs> or like because they're people pleaser or what have you. But I think a therapist like. Yeah really see it from all and, and, and from all perspectives but also provide you choice right i think and, speaking from community mental health um the resource that we provide is for a lot of community members who face a lot of like um barriers where their their thought process and behavior is causing real challenges in their lives such as Behaviors such as being violent towards other, um, causing them to get in trouble with law enforcement, or not being able to complete like or have like good grades due to their lack of attention, troubles at home, and um, the therapists at the community mental health settings, they don't just listen to their your problems. You know, they they are case managers. They'll go into the school with you you know, help talk to the counselor with you, empower you to know your resources to help you, you know, be able to thrive um, and and be able to feel like your life is in control. And sometimes um, some of your mental health condition may need medication because some of the symptoms you're having, um, it, it feels like you cannot regulate your emotions because you're too triggered or... Um, you, you have these anger feelings that it just feels so out of control. So they have antidepressant medication, um, antipsychotic medication to help with individuals who may have delusions, who may have um, auditory um, hallucinations that really disrupts their ability to um, live their daily life, you know? And some of these challenges... Um, need a lot of time in helping the individual learn coping tools that can help them live their life that they want to live. And, you know, our friends and family may not be able to have that time dedicated to you. And a lot of our community mental health therapists, they're dedicated time specifically um, for clients to help brainstorm, to help reflect and process what resources, how can we reframe your thought process? What other coping tools can we learn 
and different interventions to help you be able to overcome the barriers to stop certain behaviors such as you know your addiction to cell phone drugs whatever it is and that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of compassion understanding and sometimes our parents our friends may not have that ability to understand us and give us that room to learn those tools and so sometimes you talk to your parents and they're like you're stupid why can't you just do it a different way or you talk to your friends well you've done that before you you kind of do that that's part of your personality sometimes friends kind of say they can say things that can further you know the hurt. hurt you yeah and so it's important to take your mental health um seriously and if you feel like you're ever in need um there are resources available whether you're low income or you have income you have your own personal private insurance that that it's available through your health insurance network yeah, I think that's very important. As we um, establish more of a culture of seeking support, um, is also learning how to help your friends seek support, mm-hmm. right? Overall, and understanding that there's so many nuances um, about mental health, and and um, you know, such such a, still a large stigma within our Asian communities, immigrant communities. Um, but mm-hmm. with these conversations, it really does change so much um, and shift the culture. I think something to highlight is that, like, you know, when you you are kind of concerned about a friend who's, like, wanting to harm themselves, there is, like, an organization called, um, like, the uh, PMRT team um, through the Department of Mental Health that can... That can you can call and consult, you know, if you're worried about a friend. Mm. And um, can you say that uh, again? It's PMR team, like the pet team, or um, they're also called Access. Um, you can call and consult. Like before you call law enforcement, I would highly recommend you call the Access or the PMRT team before you do such thing because um, I think now law enforcement actually have like a mental health team that um, go with them. But, you know, um, given, the, you know, our... Just the political climate. The political climate, our immigrant population. Um, we want to instill, like, um, other options yeah, for resources right. that are more safe right. um, for the communities that are actually... Imp- um, barred by mental health issues, right? The most, yeah. Especially if you, you you're feeling like your friend may harm themselves, and you have information, you know. I think it's important to know that you do have resources. You can call and consult. And I have a number of the Access team. It's one eight hundred eight five four seven 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 one, and this is for. Um, those living in Los Angeles, but you, you can call and consult if you live out of the area. There's another number that you should call, but please know you're not alone in, um, in that situation. If you're ever put into that situation, having to support a friend who is suicidal and maybe saying something that makes you speculate, they may harm themselves, you know? And I think if you were ever in that situation and they, 
they're telling you and you are with them, I think it's important to know to, to not have them be by themselves. Yeah. You know, let their family or like with their permission. And I think there's going to be a lot of pushback. Yeah. Um, and actually, I would invite you to know that that pushback is probably going to happen um, because uh, anyone experiencing society um, you know, and especially in a lot of um, Asian communities, still there's a lot of stigma, there's a lot of shame that goes into um, you know, parents of immigrants who've worked their lives to have their kids have better lives. And then, you know, when um, it's common to see parents continue to 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 shame like uh, and and to not believe their yeah. kids that they would actually kill themselves. Yeah. And so I think that's something that I think it's important to acknowledge as we continue to do this work together yeah. to provide more spaces of um, growth and and resources. So um, to wrap it up, uh, I want to thank you, Wanda, for providing such a uh, insightful conversation about. Um, how to support a friend in need, also how to draw boundaries when it's necessary um, to know what also your max capacity is and how do we actually have that difficult conversation. And it's worth it. And I think um, maybe in your um, website we can provide a link. Yeah, we'll provide show notes. Thank you, Wanda. Thank you, Rita. You just heard an extended conversation with Wanda and I that served as this week's practice tip. So thank you so much for listening until the very end. And I hope that there are more gems and insights that you can apply on your own life about how to build healthy boundaries for yourself and ways to approach supporting a friend in need. And let me also emphasize that it took me and Wanda six years to come to terms with what our relationship needs to look like to fit the current lifestyle that we have. And so sometimes it takes folks longer to get to a good place in your relationships to be like, ah, like we're good, you know, and then other times it will take folks, you know, like a couple months or, you know, a few years um, just to find that, you know, that chemistry between the two people or the multiple people that um, you relate to. And so I hope that you take your time, give yourself, you know, permission to continue learning about what your needs are, how you relate to the other person. And just know that every relationship is going to have its own twists and turns. And you can find some of the things we referred to during this conversation in the show notes. And I encourage you to download the corresponding episode about intergenerational trauma and navigating family conflicts and therapy. Let us know your thoughts and reflections by engaging with me on Instagram, Facebook, and or Twitter at Healing Out Loud. And if you feel generous to offer any monetary support and gratitude for this resource, you can make a one-time donation via paypal.me forward slash healing out loud, or you can become a monthly sustainer at patreon.com forward slash healing out loud. All funds go to podcasting equipment, paying for the hosting site, travel, and so forth. And it also means a lot if you share this podcast. Tell your friends, your family, and at the very least, you can subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you're listening on. 
Huge shout out to Los Angeles Roots members Andrew Day Ville Tong for mixing and producing the beats for this podcast, as well as Missy Person Lao Supply for the beautiful logo design. Thank you so much for showing up and support for this greater healing justice movement for the Lao diaspora and for your commitment to you and your holistic well-being. Rita P is out and I'll twerk on you for next week's episode.